In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Writing in the year 1839, George Bethune, he wrote a book on the fruit of the Spirit in 1839, and I found that book online. The entire book is on PDF online. It's a wonderful book on the fruit of the Spirit, one of the best books I've ever written, read on the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what he says, just a little excerpt from what he says concerning gentleness, or in the King James it says meekness. And I'll explain maybe the relation or the difference of those two words. But here's what George Bethune said in 1839. Perhaps no grace is less prayed for or less cultivated than gentleness. Indeed, it is considered rather as belonging to natural disposition or external matters than as a Christian virtue. And seldom do we, do we reflect that not to be gentle is sin. Not to be gentle is sin. And I would venture to say that the Christian attitude today towards gentleness hasn't changed all that much when George Bethune first penned those words over 180 years ago when he wrote that. Not very often do you hear people say, I'm praying to be a gentler person. There, there are very few people that you will hear who will say, I'm really praying for gentleness. You often hear, I'm praying for patience, uh, I'm praying for joy, I'm praying for peace, but I'm praying for gentleness. I want to be a gentler person. You just don't hear that very often. Um, and then I don't think it's that gentleness is, um, is not sought after in the Christian community and in the church. But I think we may not place a very high value on gentleness um, to, the, to the degree that God places value on gentleness. And I hope after this study here tonight, we will see the value of gentleness and the call for us to cultivate that in our lives. And when you do look at the word gentleness, it is a word that is somewhat hard to define. The King James Version used the word meekness here in the, uh, when it translates the original Greek to uh, the English word. And uh, many modern translations, including, including New King James, they translate that word as gentleness. Gentleness and meekness are often used interchangeably throughout, especially modern uh, translations and throughout Scripture. They're oftentimes used as synonyms in the Scriptures. And they aren't exactly the same. Gentleness and meekness are not exactly the same, although they're used as synonyms sometimes. And even if you look in the dictionary, they will be a synonym of one another. Though they're not exactly the same, they are very closely interrelated. And if I could just explain to you their interrelatedness and also their difference here in a moment before I even define the terms. Gentleness is an active trait describing the manner in which we should treat others. Meekness is a passive trait describing the proper Christian response when others mistreat us. And so, gentleness is the outward or active expression of the inward passive attitude of meekness. So the way that they are related is that gentleness flows out of and is produced by meekness. Gentleness is what is manifested in your life and outwardly how you express yourself in relation to people. Meekness is an attitude of the heart. It's an inward attitude of the heart. And because these are so 
closely related, and because they're interchanged throughout um, the Bible, we're going to look at both of these words together here tonight in relation to the fruit of the Spirit. You could define meekness as not being easily provoked, especially when being mistreated. Restraint coupled with strength and courage. A calm temper of mind. It describes a person who can be angry when anger is needed, and they can be humbly submissive when submission is needed. It's one who is teachable and pliable, who can be taught and who can submit to teaching. That's a meek person. But, but recall that I said it is also described as restraint coupled with strength and courage. That's extremely important to remember, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Gentleness can be defined as a sensitivity of disposition and kindness of behavior founded on strength and prompted by love. It is a, a humble and a respectful disposition, disposition and temperament and attitude towards the people around you. Gentleness, gentleness is the opposite of hostility. It's the opposite of harshness and brashness and abrasiveness. That gentleness is the opposite of those things. Again, let me just quote George Bethune from his book. And I want you to listen very closely to what he says here. He makes a beautiful point as to why the Apostle Paul might have placed gentleness or meekness right after the preceding fruit of faithfulness. This is a beautiful explanation as to even the order in which Paul wrote the fruit of the Spirit. George Bethune says this, After naming faithfulness, Paul immediately adds gentleness. There is a reason for this. The faithful man must be a firm and decided man. The grace itself supposes its possessor to be exposed to opposition, ridicule, and even persecution. The apostle well knew how prone the mind is to be chafed and irritated, how likely indignation against error is to excite anger against the one in error, and how zeal in a good cause oftentimes moves a man to mingle with it desire of personal distinction and success, which, if baffled, stirs up anger and revenge against opponents. He's saying it's good to be faithful. It's good to be fortified in your faith, knowing that you're going to be exposed to opposition, ridicule, and even persecution. And you need to be convinced of what you believe, and you're firmly rooted to the Lord, to the Word of God, in God, and you're faithful to Him, and nothing's going to knock you out. But that can also produce in us a certain um, disposition wherein uh, it can be out of whack, if you will, or imbalanced. So therefore, he instantly insists upon faithfulness being followed or rather accompanied with gentleness and meekness. The same Spirit which produces the one produces the other. The fruit of the Spirit is, in fact, gentleness and meekness. Let me go now to just a few misunderstandings as to what maybe we may have or certainly what the world has when it comes to what gentleness is, what meekness is. There's a great misunderstanding in the world as to what meekness and gentleness is. And while uh, ancient Near East and Greco-Roman world, they placed a high value on this character uh, virtue of meekness, 
The late 20th century Western culture does not hold meekness as a virtue. The late 20th century culture of our day, which impacts our day, it does not hold meekness as a virtue. It holds meekness as weakness. It misunderstands meekness or gentleness to be weak. Which is why you see in most modern translations that word, which is really best translated as meek, it's oftentimes translated as gentle because in our uses today, there's a misunderstanding in our common English usage of the word meek. There's a misunderstanding of what the word meek actually means. And it has largely come from a false view that it um, indicates weakness or effeminacy, and that is now associated with meekness. But that is not the biblical context in which meekness or gentleness is. Um, But when it comes to meekness, uh, it it is well denoted in this, this quote or the thought of Friedrich Nietzsche. He's a German philosopher who uh, coined the phrase, God is dead, a um, 19th century German philosopher, and he rejected Christian meekness as part of a parasitic revolt by the low against the lawfully, the manly, and the high. He detested meekness and viewed it as weakness. And that's often how the world presume, what the world presumes meekness to be. They presume meekness to be milk toast. Okay? It's a, it's a sissified, timid, passive person who won't speak up for themselves. That's how, that's how they view meekness or gentleness. But biblically speaking, this is not so. Biblically speaking, meekness is actually controlled strength. And as you may recall as to what I defined it as earlier, it is restraint coupled with strength and courage. So let me illustrate with this. Uh, imagine an elephant, an elephant, one of the largest mammals on earth, one of the most powerful and strong mammals on earth. And in some parts of the country and for many centuries, they have used trained and tamed elephants for logging purposes. They've used them to haul logs and even to pull up uh, tree roots uh, because they are so strong, because they are so powerful. And if you look at the, the, the trunk of an elephant, which is an amazing muscle. It's actually comprised of 40,000 different separate muscles, the trunk of an elephant is. And that trunk is so powerful that it can rip branches off of trees, but it is so sensitive and has the capacity for such delicacy that at the end of its trunk, it can pick up one single blade of grass. And as I said, men have learned how to tame and train an elephant to use for their purposes in the world. You could also look at a stallion, okay, a wild, powerful stallion horse that when it's tamed, when it's properly trained, a small child with the simple use of a bridle and bit can easily control a stallion with all this power and might and strength. When it's well-trained, when it is tamed, Even a child can control that stallion. And this illustration of the elephant and the stallion perfectly illustrates what meekness is. It is power under control. That's what meekness is. It is power under control. Is the elephant or the stallion any less powerful when the child is controlling it or when 
it is picking up a single blade of grass with its trunk or it's being used by men to, for logging purposes as a tamed animal. Is that beast any less powerful than it was? No. It's still as strong and as powerful as it ever was, except that that power, that strength has been harnessed and utilized in such a way that it is restrained and it is controlled and it is in submission. It's not out of control. It's not wild and erroneously used. It is strength under control. And unlike the, uh, the proverbial bull in the china shop, the meek person, it is strength under control. That is what meekness is. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It is controlled strength. And when it comes to gentleness, a misunderstanding may be this. Gentleness is feebleness. To be gentle is to be easily fractured or to be feeble. And that just isn't so. As I mentioned earlier, Gentleness is a sensitivity of disposition and kindness of behavior founded on strength and prompted by love. I could illustrate gentleness in this way. Imagine you and I are hiking in the woods. Or you're hiking in the woods with a group of people. And you fall and you injure yourself and you break your leg. And there's no way you can make your, back, your way back to camp or back to civilization. And whatever group of people you're with or whomever you're with, you hope you can find the strongest person who can carry you back to the camp. Not necessarily so they can just heave you up on their shoulders and just quickly bring you back, but you want the strongest person who can bring you back because the strongest person allows for the greater amount of gentleness and the least amount of pain upon your broken leg. You understand? So the strongest person has the greatest capacity of gentleness to take me across this rugged terrain to the place of safety. So it's the strongest person has the greatest capacity for gentleness so that I am not more so harmed or in greater pain when that person brings me back or brings you back. You could also look at, in nature, look at a mother crocodile or an alligator. These are ferocious beasts. Uh, I mean, they're, they're the most fierce, most uh, powerful animals and feared animals on earth. The crocodile and alligator. They get so huge. And they can just tear to bits anything that gets in the water. But if you watch National Geographic or the Discovery Channel, you watch when a mother alligator or crocodile, when their alligators, their little baby alligators, when they hatch out of those eggs, what are those, what are those baby crocodiles and baby alligators do? They go into the mouth of the mother crocodile, the mouth of the mother alligator. I believe the, the alligator has uh, pounds per square inch, the, the most powerful bite, and yet these fragile little newborn baby alligators get into the mother's mouth, and the mother is able to be so delicate and gentle so not to harm those babies and bring them to the water's edge and allow those alligators to go out. That's a wonderful example of gentleness. Gentleness is the ability of the strong person to handle fragile circumstances without crushing the spirit of others all the while being motivated by love. 
Listen closely. Gentleness is the ability of the strong person. It is a strong person to handle fragile circumstances or fragile people without crushing their spirit all the while motivated by love. That is what gentleness is. Both meekness and gentleness are born of power. We must understand that. Both gentleness and meekness are born of power, not weakness. It takes true power of the Spirit of God to walk in weakness and meekness in the biblical context, in the biblical understanding of what that means and what God values. There is a pseudo-meekness that is cowardly, and there is a pseudo-gentleness that is timidity. But true biblical gentleness and weakness are born of power and they have great effectiveness in your own life and blessing to the people you interact with in life. And gentleness, of course, is born and starts with God. The supreme example of gentleness is Israel's God. If you look in Isaiah chapter 40, and and if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. I want to show you something. Um, in, in this chapter, Isaiah declares the great power and strength and supremacy and sovereignty of God the Creator. And if you just look at 40 and 10, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. Look at verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust in the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. Look over at verses 25, 26. To whom then will you liken me, God says, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. And so it's talking about the loftiness, the power, the strength, the sovereignty of God on high. But sandwiched in the middle of all that verbiage, of all that language, look at verse 11, 40 and 11. Look at the gentleness of this great, strong, powerful God who rules over nations, nations which are merely a drop in the bucket. He says in verse 11, He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. That is the God you serve. You serve a God who is a refuge because he is strong and he is mighty and all things are in his control and under his might. And I'm so thankful the same God who has all power and might, whom I tremble in in his presence, and whom I have great fear in His presence over, I'm so grateful that He has a tender and gentle touch with His flock. That just as a shepherd who loves His sheep and tends to them daily, making sure they're taken care care of and there's no lack in their lives and there's no harm brought to them and there's no disease or sickness, so is Jesus, so is the God that I serve. He can both defend me and tenderly care for me. He is gentle. He holds me in His bosom. He gently leads those who are with young. The vulnerable, the lowly, the weak, He gently deals with them. And He is able to uphold them in His strength as well. I'm thankful for the God that I serve. And we know that in earthly manifestation, and bodily manifestation, we see the person of Jesus Christ. 
that he walked in meekness and he walked in gentleness. And we're all aware of Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, or verse 28, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And in verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. And then he describes who he is, what he is in heart. He says, For I am gentle or meek and lowly, uh, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That was the nature of Jesus Christ. That's the nature of the God that we serve. And what a great assurance we have in that. Let me just bring a few points of application for us when it comes to this fruit of gentleness or meekness. I want to make three points of application and how this fruit of gentleness, meekness can be exemplified in our lives. There's so many scriptures you can go to, so many things you can reference, so many things you can think about, but the Bible has a lot to say about this subject and instruction and directives for us. Number one, we must exemplify gentleness when correcting or instructing. We must exemplify gentleness when correcting or instructing. Paul told the young minister, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in relation to your ministry to the unbeliever, he told Timothy this, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Your gentle spirit, your ability to not crush people with your words, with your demeanor, with who you are, and to gently teach with humility and correct people using the Word of God, it will have its fruit in allowing people to come to repentance and to come to a knowledge of the truth in Jesus Christ. He said, you cannot minister except that you exemplify this fruit of gentleness when you are teaching or when you are instructing or when you are correcting. It's of utmost importance that you have a tender spirit when you approach anyone to correct, instruct, or teach. Because what you say will fall on deaf ears. And then, how that we might correct or deal with the believer. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken and any trespasses, you who are spiritual, okay? That word spiritual, it's the, it's the, same, it's the same way in which Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians. Talking about the spiritual person. That word spiritual means the person who is filled with and controlled by the Spirit of God. It's the pe- person walking in the Spirit. The, pe- the person controlled by the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in their life. He says, you who are spiritual or mature in the Lord, restore such a one in a spirit of haughtiness, in a spirit of pride, in a spirit of knowledge. No, in a spirit of gentleness. Restore such a one with a spirit of of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love those as you love yourself. 
It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love people as yourself. That is the law of Christ. And you're to restore. If you are spiritually mature, the way that you restore people, or you will know if you're spiritually mature, if you're spiritual, in the way that you correct the believer who is in sin. Do you do it with a heavy hand or you do it with gentleness, with tenderness? Doesn't mean you're passive. Doesn't mean it's milk toast. Doesn't mean that it's timid. Doesn't mean that it's cowardly. It means that it is firm but gentle in the way that you approach those individuals who may need correction. Um, and if you come to them with a heavy hand, you will push them away rather than bring them in back into the fold of God. And if you look at the way that Paul, the way that he addressed the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10.1, Now I, Paul, myself, I am pleading or I implore you with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Paul did not want to bring out um, the whip, if you will, for the Corinthians. He, he wanted to come with gentleness and meekness, and he appealed to them by the meekness and gentleness of Jesus Christ. He didn't, want, he didn't want to come down upon them. He didn't want to be harsh with them. He didn't want to be hard with them. He rather had been meek and gentle with them. If you recall, Matthew chapter 12, there is um, an Old Testament Scripture which is referenced in regards to Jesus fulfilling this prophecy. And it says, A bruised reed, Matthew 12, 20, A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. A bruised reed was utilized by a shepherd to make a small musical instrument that he would play out in the fields while he tended the flocks. And once it was bruised or, or used to the point that it had broken or fractured, it was useless. And a smoking flax or a smoking wick that has lost its light is no longer useful to provide light. And what the Scripture is saying is, it's saying people who seem to be weak and lowly and useless and those people whom the world throws out and writes off, it, the Bible says that a bruised weed reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench till he finds, sends forth justice to victory. Jesus will take those people who seem so broken and weak and useless to the world, and He will gently take them and restore them. He will gently take them and place light within them. He does not come down with a heavy hand. Rather, He deals with them gently until their true need is exposed and they are open to Him for help. And you see, this is how Jesus dealt with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. He put His finger right on the secret sins of her heart that she had not openly told Him. And He put His finger right where it hurt the most in her heart. And she was convicted. Oh, but didn't He do it so gently? Didn't He do it so tenderly? Did, did, didn't she just feel the love of God and the restoration of God coming through the ministry of Jesus Christ? She most certainly did. And that day she was saved. That day she met the Messiah. That day she had living water which she had drunk and she no longer had a draw from any longer. She had found the Christ. She had found the Messiah because Jesus dealt with her gently. He did not come down upon her with a hard hand, but He was firm. Gentleness is a strong hand with a soft touch. 
It is a tender, compassionate approach toward others' weaknesses and limitations. It's a compassionate approach toward others' weaknesses and limitations. It is so important how we deal with people's weaknesses and their limitations and their immaturities. It is so important that we deal with God's people in such a way that we don't harm them so that they scatter. But they are drawn to the church. They're drawn to the minister. They're drawn to the Christian. Because we deal with them gently as a shepherd who loves a sheep, as a mother or father who loves their children, as God who loves the believer. A gentle person still speaks truth, sometimes even painful truth, but in doing so, guards their tone so the truth can be well received. It matters how you communicate with people. It matters how you teach and preach and communicate the Gospel. It matters how you correct people, whether it be your children, a wayward child, a child who's living for the Lord, who's under your roof, whether it be your spouse, whether if it be someone you're ministering to on the streets or a coworker, it matters that you speak the truth, that you stand for the Word of God faithfully, that you uh, speak hard truths, but you speak them in tenderness and love and in gentleness so that it will be well received and that you won't just merely bloody their heads and have no means to sew them back up. Number two, we should exemplify gentleness with the young. That is spiritually and physically. We should exemplify and use gentleness with the young. Let me speak to the parent. So spiritually and physically. The spiritual and physical young. Physically, the parent. The way that you deal with your children, the way that you instruct them, the way that you correct them, it must be in a gentle manner. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I love the way the Amplified says it. It is beautiful. It says, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness. Why? So that they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. Father, mother, it's wonderful that you want to correct your child. That you want, We've got to take the belt out every once in a while but it matters how you do it because you can crush the spirit of that child if you do not correct them and deal with them with tender hands, with a loving heart. It matters how you speak to them. Listen, when God corrects us, and He does correct us as His children, He chastises us. He spanks us, if you will. He, he convicts us. He puts His finger on things and makes it known to us so that He can perfect us. But He never does anything with vindictiveness. He never does anything with a, an abusive intent. He never does anything to humiliate you. He always does, He always corrects you with the intent of instruction and with you to experience His tender loving care when He does instruct you. And we must exemplify the same thing when we deal with our children, when we correct our children in our households or their spirits will be broken, they will be under, uh, unmotivated, they will be discouraged, and they will become embittered towards you. 
God help us. God help me. There are times where I'm impatient with my own children. I raise my voice when I ought not to. And I, and I get frustrated, but God help me to treat them tenderly and lovingly with meekness. Let me finish here very quickly. If you recall, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talks about how they dealt with and they ministered to them. And he talks about, we didn't come to you uh, with our own motivation. We didn't come to you for our own personal gain. We didn't make demands to you as apostles of Christ. In verse 7 he says, but we were gentle among you. Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become dear to us. That is the standard set for ministering to people, that we are gentle among them, and that just as a nursing mother cherishes and nurtures her own child, so should we to the new believer, to the existing believer, to deal with them tenderly, affectionately, longing for them. You are witnesses of God also, how devotedly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So you have the tenderness of of a mother, the firmness of a father, and you see there controlled strength. You see there strength, the strength of meekness, the strength of gentleness. Number three, and I close here. We should exemplify gentleness when we are approached. We should exemplify meekness and gentleness when we are approached. When we are approached with truth, when we are approached with hostility, and we, when we are approached with questions. James 1.21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The way that you receive truth and correction, you receive it with meekness. It is submission. It is submitting to the authority and supremacy of Scripture and receiving the Word of life, the implanted Word of God, receiving it with meekness. Receiving it with meekness. That's how we are to be approached. That is gentleness when we are approached with truth. Gentleness evidences itself in a willingness to yield. Reminiscent of a lamb being led to the slaughter, which we can see in Isaiah 53, 7. We must exemplify gentleness when approached with hostility. When you are approached by a hostile individual who hates God and who may even hate you. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft or a gentle or thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It matters how you respond to hostility. A soft word that is a gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath. It will shut down the attacks upon you oftentimes and bring shame upon those people and glorify God in you and your ability to do that. Lastly, we must exemplify gentleness when approached with questions. When we are approached with, hey, Tell me what Christianity is. Tell me what church you go to. Tell me why you serve God. Tell me why you're a Christian. Tell me why you read the Bible. James, or 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When you are approached and they ask for the reason of the hope that is in you. 
You give a reasonable defense. That word defense is apologia, where we get our word apologetics. Give a, a response, an answer for the hope that is within you. And you do it with meekness and fear. You do it with meekness and fear. It is of utmost importance, of utmost importance that we value gentleness, that we value the fruit of meekness, that we walk in it. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Gentleness is not feebleness. It is strength under control. It is, gentleness is the expression of that attitude within us, which is meekness, that has a willful submission and its strength under control and submitted to God. It exemplifies itself in the way that we tenderly handle situations and circumstances and people and how we interact with people. It's of utmost importance that we manifest the Spirit of God and we manifest the mind of Christ and His nature. Jesus was meek. He was gentle. And we must be as well. It does not negate or extinguish our boldness, our faithfulness. It doesn't extinguish any of those things. It just means that you are bold while also being tender and gentle and meek. I close with this. And this is... This is the hope. This is the reward for every person who will endeavor to be meek. If you set in your heart, I want to be a meek person. I want to be a humble, lowly, gentle individually. I want to be as Christ was when He walked this earth. I want to be that. Here's a, here's a promise that Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, the Beatitudes. Okay, That is the attitude of the heart. That's what the Beatitudes are. Blessed are the gentle or meek. And the Amplified says the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. The kingdom of God is one of contradictions to this world. And the one who seems to be weak is not weak. Meekness is controlled strength. And those who are meek, well, in the end, they will inherit the earth. Those who seem to be lowly and on the bottom, they will be at the very top. Because God lifts up those who are humble, those who humble themselves. And if we would, we would lift ourselves up, we will be abased. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Endeavor. Endeavor to walk in this. Endeavor for this to be cultivated in your life, it cannot be cultivated except by the Spirit of God. You cannot do this naturally in your own flesh. There's no way that you can, no way that I can. No matter what our natural tendencies or disposition is, we need the Spirit of God to help us do this. And that is His will for our lives. And He will help you to do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You, God, that You long to work these things out in our lives. You, you will to do it and You long to do it more than we even do. So stir within us a desire for these fruit, these, these fruit that we've been looking at and all the various things that You have made for us and provided for us. Pray that it would be cultivated in our lives, God. Help us to place value on these things and not, not to look down upon what the world looks down upon. Your kingdom does not operate how this worldly kingdom operates. You value what this world does not value. So help us to value what You do value, God. Help us to walk in gentleness with the people in our lives, with our spouse, with our husband, our wife, with our children, with the unbeliever and believer alike. God, help us to exemplify 
this virtue of gentleness, this virtue of meekness, so that ultimately you would be glorified, people would be saved, God. Do this work in our lives by your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.